commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! Core World News. You may fire when ready. From the Luxor to the Kuro system, I'm Greg Scumbag, and you're listening to Core World News, your Star Wars newscast for in-depth coverage and analysis of all the latest stories throughout the galaxy. Now for your news segment rundown for August 8th, 2019. Reading Rapstar, with our special coverage of Timothy Zahn's Thrawn Treason. But first, StarWars.com has revealed the new book, The Secrets of the Jedi, by Mark Sumerak. Now for your hosts, Ben, Greg, and Adam to discuss. Greg sounded good. Greg's is like yeah. full force. Like he's in he free. Talk about a bounce back. He's better than ever. Yeah, I know. That was right, impressive. Right back to the, the Caribbean now. He's, he's left. So we'll get him <laughs> next week. <laughs> He's uh, back to what's left of Scarif. Beat it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so there's a little bit of information on this book. Uh, it's coming November 19th from Inside Editions. The, the tome is filled with lush paintings, special interactive features, including a pop-up holocron, Whoa. a translator card, a Jedi equipment booklet, and much, much more. And that's from StarWars.com. A uh, little kind of brief description of what the book's all about. Um, and then there are a few sample pages on StarWars.com as well that a lot of people have scoured over and, and looked at, and uh, there's a lot of information there. And it's kind of this updated tome of the Jedi secrets, which is all I could ask for. That's awesome. When, uh, when is that due out? Do they know? Do they have a release date? Uh, November 19th. Oh, sweet. So right in time for Christmas. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Santa, if you're out there, you know what I want. Darth Santa. Santa Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so- um, who cool. I have a question because I was just clicking on some of the the pages right now and it's written in first person. Um, oh, yeah, it's who, written by or like in Skywalker's voice, right? Is it Luke's story voice? That's what I was trying to figure out is whose voice was that? It. Is it's it's uh, yeah. written from Luke's point of view. I forgot to mention that. Nice, because I clicked on the Last Jedi part that I was reading a little bit very quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, this is like so. Allegedly, this is what he was scrawling while he was sitting there, not connected to the Force, right? Yeah. Could this be one of the books that we see in the tree in The Last Jedi? Uh, we don't haven't seen the... Oh, yeah, but we do have a, a image of the cover of the book, and it, it, it does seem to have this, the scripture, but it, it's not, like, built like a replica tome or anything like that, which yeah, would be I'm, really cool. I'm just wondering what the spine looks like, and, you know, I mean, it, when the way they described it, it sounds like it could have been... Like, I feel like we might see it in Nine, if assuming Ray... We, we revisit those books um, yeah. or it might be in the jacket of the thing and be like, oh, yeah, I mean, it would make sense if he has the Jedi texts. If he really believes he's the last Jedi. He might add it to him and be like, I don't know, maybe someone will find these. Yeah, I'm sure it's in the sock jar, sock drawer of the Millennium Falcon with everything else. But, it, it, you know, <laughs> you know, for synergy's sake, yes, I'm 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 bet you they're kind of trying to make this his journal, which is part of the sacred text, which is awesome. But oh. page turners, they were not. <laughs> so I, he probably didn't read them. Like I think Yoda insinuates that Luke probably didn't read the books. <laughs> he may have added to, to maybe one of the texts, but I don't know. I think Luke was kind of uh, is more uh, living a life of symbiosis with nature. I don't think he was. I don't think he was a scribe per se on the island. I don't think he was writing anything down, but he may have been. I don't know. I yeah, he might have been writing. I don't think he was reading. He's not the best student in the world. <laughs> Right. But this is, you know, he's in his autumn, clearly. He's just waiting to die. You don't think, like, he would reflect and maybe just, isn't that sort of instinctive thing to do? Just sort of leave your legacy behind or want to? Even I mean, if you every, think it's gonna be every fantasy movie does that, but... 
Yeah, well, I think it's because there's some reality there. I think yeah. I, I was told once when I was bartending that by a gentleman who thought there was four stages to life, and it's sort of like learning, doing, teaching is like sort of the, the like I said, the four phases of life. Um, or you know, I only mentioned then, three. Then, but... I was like, wait, what's the fourth? <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. There's four phases. The fourth is math. I haven't learned that one yet. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it's like sort of you know that's sort of what you do. Or I think child, I think parenting. Yeah, and then this sort of like you want to be a teacher at the end. And I, I don't know. I think some people think that. We're, you know, not in that phase yet because we're, you know, still doing our thing. But I don't know. I, I just had to assume it was some bar knowledge. Yeah, they won't let us in the council yet, but soon. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Well, maybe we'll get a seat, but they probably will make us a full uh, a full night. <laughs> Take a seat, Adam. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, you're like, okay. Push forward. Yeah, you're like, this, this podcast is interesting when all three of us are punchy. um so yeah this book looks awesome i'm definitely gonna pick it up probably gonna pre-order it um yeah i can't wait to learn all these new juicy secrets so it should be exciting grant did you did you do any reading have you seen any um writing that that looks interesting so far just based on these images because i've seen them floating on the internet and i know you were one of those people uh yeah i read i was reading it and i you can tell it was uh, it was all written from luke's point of view and it's super interesting to read some of the first order bits when it talks about snoke and and the fall of luke's temple and oh yeah and so it's from luke's point of view and and he's so definitely definitely read the last jedi section of the free samples because it's basically what we've been seeing in the sequel trilogy as told from luke's point of view so it's really interesting wow yeah Yeah, that sounds cool i will check that out it's also amazing to see that luke Skywalker wrote a paragraph about Kit Fisto. <laughs> like I just, I just look the Jedi Ma- Masters and Knights, and I'm not even being like sarcastically <laughs> yeah. funny. I'm very, I'm weirdly excited to hear Luke talk about the old Jedi Knights and Masters. Like that's really kind of neat. I wonder what he even knows. I mean, I guess everything he knows about Kit Fisto, Fisto would have been told to him by Ghost Ben Kenobi, right? Right. Yeah. He's like, also, there was this like squid Jedi. He was so cool and really happy all the time until he died. <laughs> it's also <laughs> we, cool to see. We can yeah. also blame him for the Empire. Yeah, until he was immediately <laughs> killed by yeah. Palpatine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Luke writing about Qui-Gon is always, always good to read, too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Any writing about Qui-Gon is cool. Yeah, I'm all about Qui-Gon. Um, yeah, there's a little section on the uh, light force abilities. So I guess uh, light side force abilities, things like that. Um, and uh, talks about the Old Republic a little bit, which I feel like they're building towards as a brand. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wow, that's juicy. Yeah. Yep. So I have confirmation this was definitely written by Luke on Ach 2. Okay. Oh, nice. Because he mentions right. the Old Republic. He says, I've been able to piece together, from what I've been able to piece together from the ancient text here on Ach 2. Okay. Um, Should we discuss um, that other book we've been reading? (laughs) Yes, an actual book that we actually read front (laughs) to back. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it's been, what, we're two weeks, two and a half weeks out from its release, so um, I feel like we're a little late to the party, but maybe we're right on time, because um, now hopefully everyone's had a chance to read just this book, and um, we can talk freely and spoilery um, about it. and uh, yeah, so what'd you guys think? Uh, I thought it was interesting. It was, uh, it was always fun to read Thrawn and to, you know, Zahn is always such a genius when he brings Thrawn into these new challenges. And 
I was a little skeptical at first, uh, judging by the the start of the story and the sort of pest control aspect to it. And, <laughs> yes. then, um, and then it got it just turned into this beautiful kind of military uh, campaign that was really interesting. And uh, there's lots of characters that surrounded Thrawn that were just as intelligent, just as uh, witty when it came to tactics. And it was just really fun to, to read through all those characters and witness all that right. stuff. Really cool. I had kind of almost an opposite reaction to that in that I, I enjoyed it and it was fun to read, but I was really more excited when I thought it literally was just going to be Thrawn versus uh, Grolox. Grolox. <laughs> Grolox. Like, like, I was like, this is cool. Like doing something different with Thrawn's intelligence to be able to, and then turn into, you know, you yeah. know, uh, Sherlock Holmes in space, which I, you know, what I'll say is that like, I love reading how Zahn writes Thrawn. I mean, it, it he gets that character to his 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 character completely all other representations of him is miss is missing something um you know like the rebels is good but it's right. not quite the thrawn i know from zon yeah it's um, not as rich i mean i think part of that is like in thrawn thrawn is the protagonist and in rebels he's the antagonist yes exactly yeah and you actually yeah that's a good point yeah yeah, but it, and you really and obviously in a book you get to go inside people's minds and all that. But um, yeah, pretty. I mean, it was it's yeah. I feel the same way. You know, I mean, actually, Grant, you had talked about wanting to do sort of a Sherlock Holmes Empire character, but for um, for what was it? Uh, Kenobi, uh, Kenobi, right? Kenobi movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Kenobi that. movie. I mean, yeah. So I mean, it's a great idea to to do it, and it's this time it's like we're seeing their proteges more. And we're seeing the sort of the Thrawn effect in the, you know, in a little corner of the Empire. And we're seeing these, you know, he's creating brilliant tacticians. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it really was into tactics. And it was like, but yeah, it was like, so what do you deduce, Eli Vanto? And, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. and we were there, talking yeah. about how they're, uh, you know, Thrawn is so brilliant and he's able to overcome almost any situation. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. But he, everything but space whales. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. And aside, aside from space whales, there's no real antagonist or mastermind to counter him. You know, yeah. to, to, to Holmes, Moriarty, we don't have that character that I feel like is so much needed in this. I would say the emperor represents that to a degree. But right. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see someone butt heads with Thrawn, who's on the equal playing field when it comes to tactics. And right. Well, that, that brings us to the Grisks, right, which play a major. There are foil in this book. I, I do think I guess it was the first book that mm -hmm. I I was much more afraid of the Grisks than I I was in this one because spoiler alert he he beats them at every turn in this and it's yeah. it's kind of not close which I don't know if I hate that because I, that's what this book was was like Op yeah. Thrawn just like mowing through his adversaries because he's bad you know he's a bad a. And yeah. I was like oh you know and and that's what I wanted to see I didn't want it to be like oh and now you know I didn't want it to be walking dead in space you know right a lot of people were feeling a shiver down their spine when mentioning the grist when some when someone mentioned the grisk so i i did feel like there was a fear element to the grisk in this book but you're so right Dan. like they they pose no real threat in the book yeah. thrawn just right i mean they talk he talks about how terrifying they are and like you know yeah. and the, the way he describes them is like well i really don't want that to happen you see like you know one of their captives and you sort of understand it's like they break you down mentally yeah. Um, as well as physically. Um, and they, you know, they even said like, you know, just two or three could run a whole, take over a whole ship and, you know, a dozen could take over a planet, you know, because yeah. of their mental tactics. And that's frightening, but we didn't see that really. 
We haven't yeah. seen that yet. Yeah. No. It's also interesting because we didn't even see much of after the first half of the book, we didn't really see much of Thrawn versus the Brisk. We actually got more of uh Aralane versus yeah. the Brisk. And yeah, Commander um, Faro, like one of the right. Yeah. One of the yeah. Watson uh squad. Yeah. Um so it was interesting there too, right? Because it's just like they felt and maybe that's why they felt even less intimidating in this one, because um and I mean, granted, you could read into it kind of as we talked a bit about off air is that like, or actually, Ben, you just mentioned that kind of Thrawn's just keeps mentoring these people, right? And creating right. these or mentoring these brilliant tacticians. So I guess that's his goal, right? Is to, he's he's mentored Pharaoh. Um, he has some type of relationship with Arlani that was unclear, but clearly they're both brilliant tacticians and he can go off and fight a separate part of yeah. the battle knowing that they can take apart the Grisk, which are supposed to be these, these right. um, you know, dangerous things. But it just at the same time, I never felt anything about the risk, really. Right. They're like they're yeah. they're so tough that like his understudies can own them. Yeah. It's like, well then how tough are they? <laughs> you know, that's not really yeah. his he's like he can sort of half plan to defeat the Grisks two to one and while he goes and takes on this other, you know, matter and you know defeats it, like is playing chess against someone playing tiddlywinks. Yeah. And yeah. Ben, I, I know you have some thoughts about this, but the thing I want to talk about, which is kind of probably the elephant in the room, is that we are a thousand pages into this story, right? We've had a thousand pages of of Zahn writing Thrawn with the Grisk. And if you go to Wikipedia, here's the one line about the Grisk's appearance. The Grisks were a species with deep set eyes, angled brow ridges, wide shoulders, and a tapered skull. Full stop. Wow. That's it. No photo, no nothing. So I think the question that a lot of us have is why what's what's the secrecy surrounding the grisk what's right the plan there's the no grisk? real entry there's no fan art there's like nothing mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean yeah my my theory was it's because they're they're saving the reveal they yeah. you know when they have the reveal what they are i mean i i keep getting this like vector prime yeah feeling out of this and um where it's like they're gonna be the um oh my gosh he's on long Use on Vong, thank you. Yeah. Um, they're going to be that, you know, and that that's what they're going to be like. And but it's not going to be as gruesome as a Use on Vong. It's going to be a, a watered down version of that. Yeah. But they haven't quite figured out how to do that yet. And so, um, so we're going to see them again. And my thought was, well, this could be, you know, this could be the um, bad guys uh, post um, episode nine. Yeah. Yeah. And when we were off air, we were discussing, I mean, I think I have a different point of view. I think that they won't get as far into the galaxy as they did in this book ever again. I think that they're only going to be the unknown regions. And I believe there is a war in the unknown regions that we don't know about. That I think, Adam, you were talking about that there's, there is definitely a war between the Chiss and the Grisk in the unknown regions. And that is a playing field for so many narratives. I mean, if you want to write comics or books or anything, you could just explore that. And also... Um, with Admiral uh, Arlani, I, I was thinking she would get so much more time in this book. I was thinking she would re- we'd really explore her character and go in depth with her and understand her thought process in, you know, it, it next to Thrawn's and see how it differs and what she and how she operates differently. And, right. Uh, what is another just thing? Like, are they all as exactly, smart as Thrawn? And we yeah. didn't really get that. We didn't really get that. We got that one battle at the end where we we get this beautiful scene where she does take control of the steadfast and fights the Gris commander and you know, takes on the hegemony yeah. and uh, it's really cool and we get a lot there, but I was really thinking we would get a lot more with her and I hope we get more with her in the comic space or in more books or something because I think yeah. she's cool. 
I think yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it, Adam. Oh, so my, you know, I'm kind of similar with you, Ben, but I think I think this is actually part of what's going to happen. Part of the storytelling is going to take place in the 35 years between episodes six and seven, right? That that at, during at some point there was a a fight um, between um, the Grisk and the Chiss and perhaps the New Republic. Um, I think Grant, I we might see Arlani again. I think um, a lot of this book is actually setting up whatever the next Thrawn book will be once he comes back from the Unknown Regions. And I think we actually get a little bit of a hint of where he is post-Rebels. And so, like, literally within the last five pages of the book, uh, Thrawn is saying goodbye to Arlani, and Arlani says, I very much fear I'll never see you again. The growing chaos and the ascendancy warns of coming war. If you don't return quickly, there may be nothing left for you to return to. Mm. So I, I'm guessing that when he gets kind of thrown out into the unknown regions, he ends up reconnecting with the Chiss and seeing that he needs to go back to his home to, you know, set things right and comes riding back with the Chiss at some point. Right. That timeline, you're right. That timeline makes a lot more sense that, you know, so he'll, he's, because in along the timeline, his next battles with Lothal and then he goes on his Purgle wild ride. And then, so all of a sudden he's in it, you know, he's, yeah. He's thrown out I, I there. I demand that ride at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah. Me too. <laughs> the, the Purgle Mountain. That would be pretty great. Um, yeah. And then, so that would make sense. Like, oh, well, he's in it. And now he has this asset. He could make, you know, what's his name? Ezra Bridger sort of come around and be like, well, this is what's really facing the galaxy. They could team up. And then you add in whoever goes after him. Um, yeah. I but, mean. Yeah. You have a good another good cast of characters and a good bat out there, and the timeline would make sense that it goes on sort of during that time. Maybe it doesn't like maybe it's both of your answer. It doesn't enter enter even back into anything outside of the unknown regions. It all happens out there. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys now. I think maybe that's exactly what it is, right? That it's this is the third animated series we get, um, or oh, fourth wow. is Ezra Thrawn Chiss Grisk War. Right. Well, we're also. I mean. The unknown reason is a pretty popular place because you also have the first order amassing there during that right. same time period, and we know that the first order is massive. We don't even know the scale yet. Yeah. So it's a lot. That's a busy, busy place with mm -hmm. answers. Based on that final battle and how the defenders were just laying waste to Grisk fighters, it makes me think that the defender tie defender program is was designed and built to combat the grisk in the unknown regions i feel like mm. on has this ulterior motive where he wants yeah. to defenders against the grisk because he, he he i think he thinks that that is the silver bullet yeah you're right I, it's really interesting yeah i never thought about that but i just right. thought yeah. it's like it's like he created his own chess piece that could be uh, you know that was the most valuable piece on the board like i just got that you know it's like oh it can move in different ways that other you know other pieces can't move um and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like he just feels like the answer is like, oh no, you just put shields on a fighter, and it's awesome <laughs> yeah. on a tie fighter. And like, yeah, you have the best. But it also, oh, I think you also have hyperdrives, and it has like some other thing that tie fighters don't have, like heavy armaments and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, there's um special uh, labor lasers um that it has as well. Yeah, and I mean you can see in rebels. I mean they own you know the the rebels don't really have an answer for it either. Um, and yeah, well it's cool. It's it's interesting. I mean I. I can't help but feel like we're going to get, I mean, we'll get some answers about the unknown regions in nine, but I don't know if we'll get any more answers about Thrawn or any more indications. Can you imagine a place sort of where we see them again, where we see him in nine? Well, 
I have my 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 uh, theorized last shot <laughs> that I'd love to see. But it, I mean, this is just a fan wish. Like I would love to see Thrawn be introduced at the very end of nine and kind of set up a. So that way we're not ending with a celebration and the next if they do a next trilogy, which I'm almost certain they're going to do. It's not this yeah. jar, this jarring transition to hey, there's bad guys again. Hey, this this new threat has arisen. Like it's just it's easier if you kind of just segue to the next threat without you know, creating this finite ending. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that's sort of a Darth Maul and Solo moment, though, right? I think it could be more yes. artsy, though. I think you don't, I don't think, it, I don't think you need Thrawn to speak. I think it could just the red eyes would say everything, and everyone in the theater would know what that means, I think. <laughs> By everyone, do you mean like the three, three of us in a row? Back. Yeah. <laughs> the Rebels <laughs> is a kid's show at the end of the day. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of kids watch that show. I hope yeah. a lot of us are, you know, ingested yeah. some Thr- Thrawn content one way or another. But who knows? Maybe not. I, I, I'd be, I'd be absolutely shocked if we see any Thrawn in nine. Um, and that's not to say I don't, I wouldn't be excited, but, but I, 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 maybe my mind's just limited. I really cannot imagine a world where they even touch Thrawn. Um, maybe, maybe very indirectly in terms of like how they did the ghost in Rogue One, like a pa- a screen pause <laughs> moment where it's right. just it's on a back screen somewhere. You yeah. know. But, but, but in the book, yeah. in this very book, Ar- Arlani even comments about, you know, Thrawn, have you are are you just a pawn of the Imperials or do you plan to rule in the Emperor's stead? Like she like yeah. says that very line in the book. And I always right. feel like it's poetically always been Thrawn after Palpatine that and you need a mastermind. You need someone who's a, a an actual tactical genius. Like that's what Palpatine always represented. I think you need to replace that void with the same sort of character, but just maybe, maybe not so much, you know, mm-hmm. not not dealing with force as much as dealing with, you know, even more clever tactics when it comes to battles and war uh, games. I'll, yeah. I'll meet you halfway because here's the thing about Thrawn: you've created a character with probably the highest level intelligence of any of the characters seen in any of the Star Wars movies, saved except maybe some of the Jedi Masters and Palpatine. Like he's yeah. just first, right. you know, first level intellect. But uh, and so here's the thing: if he is alive during the First Order era, there's no way he's not involved in it. So either he's dead or he's involved in the First Order. In my well, mind, I just had a thought. Like, I mean, the other entity that could be out in the unknown regions is whatever's left of the Empire or the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And, and right. whatever sort of squad he's assembling, you know, doing out there. I mean, is there any chance like Thrawn could reunite with the Emperor and maybe a new army? Maybe it's like the yeah. Emperor's like leading the Chiss Ascendancy, or you know, he's I don't know. Who knows? Like, but they they there, or maybe it's he's he's teamed up with the Grisks and he's done something. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm just trying to see some different creative ways. It it's just so weird because it's just like Thrawn is an antagonist and a protagonist depending on whoever the author is. And um, so he could really land on any side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, you know, if there was the emperor existing in the same movie as Thrawn, let's say in episode nine, do you think Thrawn would be with, you know, working with the emperor or do you think he's sort of, he's like above him and would be, or would be um, on the opposite side sort of playing him? Well, yeah, in Rebels, he's definitely portrayed as a villain. And like you were saying, he's definitely the protagonist in these books. So after reading this book, I've kind of looked at him as a protagonist. And almost he's got some, 
he's has some empathy to a degree and he is he's not looking to hurt people or go out of his way to hurt people like Palpatine would right we need him to do so he's a different character altogether but I can definitely see a scene where Palpatine says my contingency plan failed like I you are my last resort I cede my empire to you or something like that and then oh, wow. you see the red eyes you know like I can definitely see that scene wow yeah. I don't know I don't know yeah. if it's gonna happen I have a new tinfoil hat idea it merges my old tinfoil hat idea with this <laughs> It's a lot of tinfoil. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Tinfoil on tinfoil. It's, it's a big uh, shiny hat. Thrawn is Snoke, and Snoke doesn't actually have force powers. It was all <laughs> it was all magnets, which is my favorite theory, is that Snoke actually in that throne room is just all magnets. It's gravity wells. like on Yeah, the gravity walls. wells and fake lightning. There like, were cloaked gravity wells. Yeah, used exactly. Used to puppeteer Snoke. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that theory. It's That's like, actually, friends. if you go frame by frame, you can see the cylinders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. Wait, How many times bombs? We, yeah. Oh, and a slingshot maneuver we read about 13 times in this book, but it's fine. I was surprised. I followed most of the action in this book, yeah. despite it being really complicated. Yes. I'm like, okay, there's the pincer. And he, he used the slingshot maneuver. Like it was used like three or four times in the book and it's described once, but it still don't really get it. But I'm like, I don't care enough to really go back and read about it to understand it. I'm like, yeah. there's a gravity well. It doesn't seem like the, any of the TIE fighters are ever using their own engines for some reason. That was never really explained. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay, the, it's like it's better to throw them around with tractor beams rather than they use their twin ions. Yeah, I guess because they wouldn't come up on the radar until they got close enough in. Oh, okay. I see, I see. It. it was like, it's basically their way of doing stealth. Right. Actually stealth. I mean, so... Zahn's early life, um, he uh, he went to uh, he was working uh, towards a doctorate in physics before he became huh. so he is a he knows physics like and he does a good job of as me being also an ex physics student like he makes it very consumable some of these concepts are yeah or understandable in a way that's really kind of fun yeah. Uh, especially that sequence where the the grist warships are kind of spinning around. And yes. Oh yeah. Connected by that couplink or whatever. And yeah. Beautifully described. Yeah, the triad communication device. You can yeah. sort of picture that in like like it's very sci-fi. I. Yeah. He does a good job of writing for people who know a little about physics because when they start speeding up. Yeah. Spin. I'm like they're pulling in their antennae. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. And I felt like such a nerd when it was like three paragraphs later. Like they're pulling in their antenna. I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. That's why. That's why. That's why. Centripetal force or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. It did make it a little Star Trekky, but but hey, I'm all like I've said this before. I'm all for more actual science in you know science fiction in Star Wars because it's I love sci-fi and I feel like it belongs to be a sci-fi thing and. Um, I'd like to see some more of it, but yeah, I do think he needs to differentiate the Chiss from, like, say, the Vulcans and things like that. Like, it does feel like a little too much, like Star Trek. <sighs> God, you had to go there. You're so right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love a full a book that's fully about the Chiss. The like, Chiss just, just a Triss, Chiss, just a Triss, just a Chiss book, like just... a Triss with the Chiss. There you go. And that's the There's a bare-chested Thrawn on the front cover, yeah. riding a. Horse or one of those things called, or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. Well, we Dark know there's, the, the there's the family-driven conflict 
uh, in the Chiss Ascendancy. We know there's like these different houses that are infighting, right? I think that's yeah. clear a couple times. So that'd be beautiful to get some more insight into that. Yeah, and it does seem like Thrawn stands alone. Like Arlani's like, she's smart. There's like all this protocol that they have. They're very logical. But, you know, she, she does sort of, towards the end of the book, sort of admit like, well, you know, this is what he does. He's a tremendous asset. We need him. Which sort of leads me to believe, like he, you know, he's a, a pretty singular talent, yes. uh, even among the chess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to jump out to other characters, uh, it was still sticking with the chess. Uh, yeah, I love the relationship between uh, Vant- Vanto and Vanya, one of the navigators. I thought yes. that was a really beautiful yeah. relationship. That you know, a lot, a lot of people love Kylo and Rey. I'm reading Crash of Fate right now. That's kind of a young adult kind of a romance adventure story. And there's nothing compares to what I was reading about uh, Vanto and Vanya. I thought it was just awesome and interesting and, you know, interspecies and, and really, you know, cool, really fun to read about. Yeah, it was a really, he used a really delicate touch with that. And I actually could have used some more, yeah. but you can tell that like, you could tell there was like a mutual interest and respect and trust and, and then, you know, and like maybe something a little more, but like they didn't really get into it. They just sort of exist in the same space and they're friends. Yeah, super uh, awkward connection where she just kind of like holds his head for a second. But it was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and that's as physical as it gets, which is actually yeah, pretty that's cool. It. Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty neat. I mean, yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of people can relate to being the only one of a species like amongst or, you know, an only one of, of a certain. Yeah. yeah. And let's uh, talk about Devanya and the other navigators for a second, because I mean, it's fascinating that they're are these four sensitives in somewhere in the galaxy, right? That the yeah. empire just is not capable of doing anything about like, that must be hanging over Palpatine's head. Right. It must really grind his gears. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the secret that Thrawn's keeping closest in his yep. head to himself. Yeah, I think he doesn't want Palpatine to sniff out the idea that there are four sensitives out there. That's, that's yeah. a very scary idea to Thrawn. Right. Even though he probably knows. I would assume, yeah. He is, you know, Palpatine, I feel yeah. like, has his finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in the Force, um, in the galaxy, which is sort of ridiculous, but he, I don't know, that's just the way it feels to me. Right. And he's he's always sensed that there's some sort of, uh, you know, a Force power out in the unknown regions, something that's out there that's of great power, and, and he's interested by that. And it could very well be these navigators, I mean, for, for all we know. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I love reading about Second Sight in the book, and uh, it's called Second Sight and Third Sight. Yes, right, really yeah. cool. Yeah, Second Sight is the sight from within. Third Sight is the sight from without. Is the way they describe it. Right. In the so, sentence. Yeah. So Third Sight's for navigating, and Second Sight's for like really absorbing minds, like to share your mind with someone else. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Right. Yeah, it's really but cool. In, uh, yeah. Totally different behavior. The force is a totally different behavior among their their people. Right. It yeah. decays over time. And then they have these two force abilities that are not that we haven't seen before. No, but we do see right. I think in the last book, Vader right. taps into C-thirds. third sight, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying among the Chiss, like that's sort of you know, yes, yeah, Anakin or Vader was able to do it, but uh, right. didn't well, actually both Anakin and Vader do it once, or did it only Vader was the only one that did it? I can't remember. I thought it was just just Vader. Vader. Yeah, they had because they talked about it in this book where they had to clear the bridge, and he's just like, all right. Right, and the Chiss have Vanto, whose whose power is really the ability to look at, see all these kind of like patterns, right, and data, examining yeah. all of the the DNA, right, of these of these girls to see, oh, right. where yeah. does this come from? Why does this one girl 
um have it longer than anyone else like it's just yeah like they're really trying to crack the force it's interesting yeah yeah really interesting stuff about the navigator trance uh the memory walls and and taking you taking vanto through visions and things like that 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 unhees does uh later in the book Uh, and uh wonderful new character assistant director uh briley ronan yeah calls calls these navigators jedi openly like yeah 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 yeah, and, and fears that and, and thinks that you know he should relay the information to Palpatine, or or is wondering whether Thrawn has kind of uh, he's a, Ronan has a wild trajectory in this book, and by the end of the book, he's wondering you know if Thrawn is sending him out to be with the Chiss to to study or be a plant for the Empire Empire uh, to take out these Jedi or whatever. But it's still kind of mixed at the end. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting sort of twist that I was like, huh? I mean, I don't know, understand why. Like it's it's clear like once he's done that he won't be welcome back to the empire which seems like nothing he'd ever do but um, also like I don't know what he's gonna do for the Chiss ascendancy except being a total pain in the butt <laughs> snobbish dick yeah like Don't a work. smarmy douche it's like people <laughs> yeah. are gonna be like how about here's a ball why don't you go bounce it yeah it was a bit weird I I didn't really I mean, I, I followed it in terms of I read it and I understand all the words and the way those words led to sentences. But in terms of the read, the reasoning, I was kind of like, yeah, I, I feel like he's just collecting people and we don't quite know why yet. Like, like, but like, I like, know, but like, Fanto Eli, I thought Farrow, was an honor, right? But like, yeah, Roman, he's yeah. like, he's a, they should, I thought it was going to be like, and then he stepped into an airlock and then it opened and that right. was, you know, but like, and no one ever saw him again. Well, it'll be it'll be for his hybrid uh, Chiss Imperial Empire post episode nine, guys. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll only be eighty-two when that happens. Um... <laughs> oh, he doesn't age. He doesn't. He's figured, he's figured that one out too. It's true. Uh, all right. Can we move on to the two best characters in the entire book? Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> I I will let I will let uh, Ben. I'll let you take this because you really. Oh. Well, yeah, so, I mean, we saw a lot of Ronin development, but mostly there was, like, one terrestrial adventure that happened with uh, Eli Vanto. Um, I'm going to just pronounce it like that um, yeah. for it's, no reason. It's, it's the Chiss way. The Chiss way, yeah. We need shirts, um, guys. Yeah. And then, uh, and Ronin, they, they went to go sort of find dirt, like, you know, Thrawn seems like he's figured out this um, this treasonous operation where someone's siphoning off uh, empire resources and uh, so they need to go to this rough and tumble uh planet which was a laxor right that's right yeah and um yeah but so he's he's the like the the you know the ensemble cast that they have for that is eli vanto the uh ronin and then they're they're out of their um suits death troopers um and yep. we had sort of Talked about the Death Troopers last week a little bit, um, and their names are the best two names. In I had to like triple read them, <laughs> yeah, and too. I was like, "Wait, do they have dogs?" Like <laughs> their their names are Pick and Waffle. Yes, there's <laughs> there is a Death Trooper named Waffle, yep, and sure so apparently there are waffles in Star Wars in the Galaxy Far Far Away. I guess to waffle right means to go back and forth between two things. So you could argue that. You could, yeah, but, but I, like I also think, read like, it as I read it as the food as well. <laughs> yeah, come to the dark side. We have waffles. Yeah, no, I'm sold now. Yeah, I'm like well, all right. Yeah, so um, and they're really tough guys, and actually kind of they're like these fun action heroes. Um, yeah, that are no nonsense and like a little crazy too. I love the way they describe like what the the one 
item that set them apart from everything else. And I'll let you guys take it from there. But was their eyes? They're like, crazy. oh, their eyes. That's right. Yeah, they're yeah. crazy eyes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone right. Well, strike fear into everybody. And they have this like nice. We get a little more detail, right, about Death Troopers, kind of what sets them apart, and the fact that like they're the only ones that actually could give orders. Um, the only one they could actually give orders to were stormtroopers, so they are above stormtroopers. They command stormtroopers. Oh, cool. Um, and then the one thing, there's a couple other things, but there's, I think it's on the line here, it says, uh, there are rumors that Jeff troopers have been medically augmented beyond even stormtrooper training, which I thought was interesting. So Yeah, and that's yeah. What, why they have the crazy eyes, because they're just yeah. like totally keyed yeah. up all the time. And they're already physically imposing like they're tall lean and which was like you know we talked about this when we were talking about rogue one i think one of the coolest things i mean death troopers are amazing but i thought that was a really cool distinction that gareth edwards made there yeah and in alphabet squadron we get a little information on death troopers as well with the cybernetic augmentations things like that where they they, they clearly have some sort of chip they have chips you know they have all types of uh, yeah. technology built into their their biotechnology that's in, in, in their in their suit and in their body it's pretty crazy yeah no nonsense animals and like which just makes it funny it's like you know calling a pit bull muffin um, <laughs> yeah this like killing machine named waffle is pretty great yeah and and zon does a great job doing that with that one action scene between pick and waffle and the pirates uh, yeah and that was beautifully beautifully described it was just really really cool action and pick was just awesome in that fight it was so yes yeah. so cool to read all those descriptions and how, yeah. how fast he was just taking people down and those pirates and talk about crazy names those pirates have some crazy Ooh. names yes names yeah kind of outside <laughs> of anything we've seen in the star wars naming convention yes um i think you wrote some down grant yes yeah, so i share those with I us see, <laughs> i see your pick and waffle and i raise you a grimple and dwarf <laughs> uh, or a, a jeffrey there's a guy a named jeffrey, jeffrey and mole. yeah well mole's my favorite character in the book okay nice yeah he's pretty i mean yeah. in like a little on the nose though to name him mole right right <laughs> there's a lot of he's on a... the nose stuff there's a guy named bleary who gives a bleary like real uh recount of his contact with the grisk yeah <laughs> and his name is bleary like, yeah right. right there's a guy named westerly which i like uh i, I guess he's from cape cod i, I don't know where that i just for some reason i associate that with with the cape but um sure. yeah interesting name but yeah a lot of those i was like i need to start writing these down like as they were sort of yeah. just like rifling through all these names but uh yeah i don't know it gave uh, that planet its own sort of flavor when he had all these sort of Frumpy names. Yeah. Like, like Sisse? Oh, Sisse. Sisse. Yeah, Sisse. 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 It, right? Sisse? Yeah. Sisse? Well, I think no. it was supposed to be Sissy, but it's like oh. Star Wars, it's oh. like Sisse. Yeah, I think which that's is what like, they're going for. It was hard to say Sisse said. That was hard for me. Yeah. I heard it in my head. I was like, oh. Yeah, Sisse. Yeah, I, I tripped over that name every time I read yeah. it, and they only read it like 105 times. <laughs> every <right>. single time. <laughs> well, uh, Another interesting kind of name drop or, or title drop, um, like on page 198, he just talks about uh, sent a pair of space troopers. Yes, yeah. I loved that. So I, I put that with a question mark and I just Googled it. And this is kind of crazy. The only time we've ever seen space troopers or they've been in anything in Star Wars is in episode four for a split second when they're walking outside yes. of the Death Star. That's yeah, it. when the um when the Millennium Falcon is yep. being pulled into the Death Star, you see them outside. Yep. Yeah, just yep. near that, that but, thing. 
it's just fascinating that we have two things. We have we have a type of stormtrooper that's been with us since 1977. And I granted they may have been more of the old EU, but this is the first time they popped up a new EU. We have an oh, entire really? okay. yeah, first time. The only appearances in new canon is Thrawn Treason and Star Wars Episode Four. Right. Because in the original trilogy, but there uh, there are space troopers, um, not with the same names, but in the Clone Wars. Yeah. We see them. We there's an episode with um Kit uh Plokunu. Um, he he has like they have a battle outside a, um, yeah. a a ship, which is pretty cool. But yeah, an original trilogy, like yeah, those are the you know or the the Empire. Yeah, I think that's it. We saw we saw underwater troopers in Resistance, which is a yep. little after that. That's really First Order. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. And yeah. and yeah, that's a deep cut too. If you're just like, I mean, if you even see the space troopers, because there's you know, some people are like, all right, what are they doing outside the Death Star? Like, that doesn't make yeah. like, Why are the troopers outside the Death Star? But, um, well, and they were apparently first identified as space troopers at Celebration Anaheim. So it's the first time they were ever called space troopers was in oh, 2015. Cool. Right. I bet Lucas just put them there because it looked cool. You yeah. Know? And like, yeah. he's like, I don't know, I'll explain it later. Um, Both played then, by ILM's Joe Johnston. <laughs> the same guy played to him, just use a split screen technique. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, well done, Joe. Yeah. And they were going to be in Rogue One, but then they weren't. Uh, yeah, it would have been really cool if they were sort of floating around when you see the like them dropping the dish and it would make sense. There would be like yeah. technicians outside. Um, yeah. But cool. What I loved in this book that was super interesting uh, was when they described the different colors for the uh, the holograms, like the holo projection and like what the colors meant. Like if it was green or blue, it just meant a holo projection, uh, a holo message from a nearby ship or a mid distance base or something like that and then yellow and orange meant it was from cor- the Coruscant the bureaucrats the Imperial Center oh yeah and then red yeah. and purple for high command top secret and then yep. black for outside official Navy chain of command uh, which uh, Tarkin uses black yeah. holograms apparently which is way too cool yeah uh, that was really cool uh, and we got some we got some uh, insight into the Chiss ranking system kind of a little bit like uh, there was a there some of the ranks really interesting to me. There's a mid commander Tannic, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just some interesting kind of uh, titles that I, it was interesting to, to, to hear those. Um, first, official, first officer Kresh, mid commander Tannic, senior commander Sinsar. So, relatively similar to the Empire. Right. Yeah, you could probably make analogs, but it's pretty cool to, like, they have their own hierarchy. And I just like that they're called the Ascendancy. I think that's really cool. Yes. And I like that yeah. the Grisks are called the Hegemony. I think that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense. Sort of, there's a hegemony in, um, what's that called? The Shrike with the Shrike, um, the Dan Simmons novel. Oh, Hyperion. Hyperion, yeah. Yes. You know that. So it made me think of that. But that's you know, it has a lot of negative connotations. Like hegemony is sort of like we take you and all your culture and we make it one. Right. And um, that's what a hegemony is, and it's sort of um, that's really cool. And its name. Uh, yeah, did you guys have any favorite like lines from the book? I don't think I wrote. Maybe I nope. <laughs> I, really, I, I really loved that moment when they were uh, when he was. You're good with dialogue, so you need to sure you're eating up those lines. There were some good lines. There was one yeah. where they were about to attack the the forward operating base or whatever, the Grisk forward base. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like, "You were going to return us to the steadfast," and Thrawn's like, "Navigator Vanya wishes a memory of this day," and I was like, "That is." <laughs> awesome like yeah, yes that was cool <laughs> and then he just like uncloaks all his fighters and just lays waste i was like this is way too cool yeah that, that was, was a great moment yeah. yeah and he's like yeah you know what 
I know what you need. And like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I do. I just want to run through some other names that I have written down and then maybe just get into one last concept that maybe we can discuss. Um, but I, I'm looking down uh, his it's Thrawn's like the leader of his um, I, I think it's the leader of his defender squadron. His name is Major Quatch. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Dobbs and like, Quatch. Yeah. I see you're Grimple and Porf and I raise you a Dobbs and Quatch. I know. Now, like, whenever, like, we get Surly Adam, I'm just going to call him a major quatch. (laughs) (laughs) Adam, you're being a major quatch right now. So every week, apparently. Yeah, you're going to be. No, it's coming. I love how there's there's ships in this book called, like, real with really, really badass names, like Chimera, Chimera, Steadfast, Fire Drake, Harbinger, Mist Hunter, Stormbird. Yeah. And Brylin Ross? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's like a CBS I know. I kept thinking, wait, why are we talking about a person? Oh, we're not. <laughs> it just, yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy name they just threw in it. Weird name. Um, um, yeah, there's that. Oh, and then so, anyways, the one thing that struck me about this about three quarters through the book was just like how that we were looking at the empire, the this like w- like we we're reading about the empire the whole time, but it was like they were totally protagonists, and we were rooting for all these characters, and they were having a very positive mission. Where they weren't oppressing anyone. They were like, they had an ethos, like Thrawn's people, like, it, you know, they seemed to be the good guys the whole time. And uh, I was just, and you, you know, you're rooting for the stormtroopers. You're, and it was like really fun because, you know, it's like, oh, now we have all that the Empire has, you know, at its disposal. And it's sort of fun to do it. Like, do you think there's any chance we could get a first order at the, in the middle or at the end of episode nine where they were the whole thing, like, we're, has flipped to be the good guys. You know, we've talked about um, uh, Kylo flipping. I saw a rumor about like, what if Hux flipped like to the, you know, defected, like what if the whole first order defects to fight another antagonist? Like, what would you guys think about that? Would you, you know, do you think it would be cool? Like, so suddenly, you know, the good people have taken this over and they're, I don't know, there could be some sort of like, you know, the next phase could be Mm. the empire is like the positive side. It's hard when the first thing you see them doing in is slaughtering villagers. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's it has tough. a long way to go, like but that. what I if think Thrawn is that. like takes it over, you know, like and like it's a top down transformation of what they do. And it's like all that indoctrination of first order actually means like, yes, we're just bringing order. We're not actually enslaving nations and, you know, siphoning off all of their. I think, I think the, storm, the stormtrooper design has built up like an iconic reputation as being like a, a kind of villain or the antagonist. You know, I, I don't feel like you would ruin that iconic image. Uh, I, I feel like that would ruin that. Iconic okay. Image, you know, and so I, I, I would love that because the rebels would finally look cool. Like the good guys would finally look cool because the right. armor, stormtrooper armor looks awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. Like it's what I want. But I, at the same time, I feel like there's a reputation. There's, they're kind of known to be the bad guys, and I don't know if they want to ruin that. I yeah. could see, like, I could see somewhere along the lines where you get like a, pre- a peace treaty between the two, right? Because of an outdoor threat, an out- outdoor, yeah, <laughs> outside threat, and <laughs> right. then, and then possibly have something where it's just like they reform as a new government, right? Where they're taking aspects from both, hmm. and so you put some of the people in charge who were in charge, uh, who weren't, who weren't in charge of the slaughtering part of the first order right but right it's tough to do it in a movie right like every time you talk about this i'm like that's great that's like a four episode arc a four season arc on a show right like right. you need it's gonna take a while to, to do that work to lay that groundwork but i, right. I like it i just don't 
see it in a movie, but yeah. And I'm just thinking now, I mean, technically we did see it in the uh, prequel trilogy, right? I mean, the clones right. were that, you know, led by Jedi, which is amazing. Um, but we could see, I mean, I don't know if the Sith troopers are their own force. Like we could see trooper on trooper um, action um, or devastation. Yeah. Or well, yeah, I, that would be interesting. I, I, I do think uh, they are their own force based on um, some images I've seen, things like that. It just feels like they are on a completely different wavelength than the, the, the kind of classic first order that we know. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I have a theory for how everything ends, but I, I will save it to the end. <laughs> but uh, okay. uh, I, I do feel like there will be some sort of uh, divisiveness in the first order and you have a guy named Allegiant General Pride. We all know that. There's a guy that there's, his title is Allegiant in, in the title. And so I, I have to think there's there's someone he's loyal to and someone he's not loyal to within the First Order. So, oh. yeah. Or it's just JJ being cheeky. Pride yeah. cometh before a fall. Ah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and uh-huh. I, well, I feel like Allegiant General Pride is for sure on the side of the Sith troopers because he his yes. robes almost look yeah. like Jedi robes to a degree. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Is uh, is this one of the characters on the front of that book? No. Um, uh, where did in, you get? Where in, did this... in um, Vanity Fair, they showed yeah. all the characters. They did a little preview of all the characters. It's that. It's, oh, uh, it was in Vanity Fair. Okay. Yeah, it's what's his name's playing him now. I can't think of the very very famous actor. Uh, oh. Um... Right. You know, Oscar uh, were nominee. Right. Um, the guy. Yeah. Uh, Tom. He has no. my name. Grant. Oh, uh, Grant. Richard E. Grant. Sorry. Richard E. Grant. Grant. We got Thanks. it. <laughs> right. I was like trying to Google fast. Like, I think my house went pride, so it was not working. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't see. See, I feel like Kylo at the end of the day c- c- can redeem himself, but it has to be far different from Vader. And so I'm, I'm thinking that if if Kylo does redeem himself, I think he needs to take out that entire Sith Armada with himself somewhat and somehow because it's not just this kind of uh, it's not this intimate, just one on one kind of I'm going to take out the Dark Lord. It's this I'm going to take out this entire Legion. Basically, I feel like that's kind of what needs to happen. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, that's sort of my fantasy is having this like overpowered Kylo in mid movie join you know defect to the rebellion and together you know join with the jedi to to face down the you know sith army and um and the the emperor or whoever um i think that would be pretty cool because i want to i want to root for kylo um, or for for ben um yeah depending on on how they they treat him um if he really comes back around Uh, but we'll see we Uh, will see yeah, so, oh, uh, I just want to jump back to one character in this Thrawn Treason book, the, the Mole character, who, who turns out to be uh, an ISB agent named Deja Kolarond, mm. Major Deja Kolarond. He was so awesome. Like, I just loved everything that character did, and uh, I, I hope to see more of him in the comics or something. He was really yeah. fun. Yeah, he was really great. We don't, I mean, we've seen in the Aftermath books uh, a bunch of ISB agents, and we get a lot of background on them there. I'm trying to think there was other books with ISB that are escaping me right now, but he was a really, you know, really savvy, cool character that led some weight. Um, I mean, it's also always great to get a Colonel Ularen um, name drop, um, but then to actually see some of his, uh, his people was really cool too. And uh, yeah, yeah. 
incredible actor and also like knows the system could sort of like duck in and out of the, you know like <laughs> hide on an imperial star destroyer like so no one can find him and then appear right at the right moment you know when when he needs to show up that was pretty pretty nifty trick yeah, yeah. are we going to talk about uh grand admiral salieri i mean so so bit if you'd like sure what, what, well, what, I, what you got I don't have much on him. I just thought he was a fun kind of antagonist, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, hidden antagonist throughout the yeah. game. Kind of yeah. revealed at the end. I thought it was kind of fun. And uh, well, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be the spoiler, but uh, when you have when you have four people in a room talking and what if this is like Law and Order, yeah. it's like Law and <laughs> yeah. Order 101. So when you have like four people in a room talking and one of them you don't know who it is, I'm like, well, there's the bad guy, right? Because right. it's not like Frenick or Tarkin or, the, or Palpatine. It's Savat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, who yeah, he, a he's a background. musician and like yeah. it was sort of thing where like it was oh, cool man. how they're like Thrawn's like, oh music is my you know blind spot. Except in this example when I got you figured <laughs> it out. Except when it's not. Yeah. <laughs> except when it's not. Right. Yeah. Nikes. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that was pretty much it. That's all I have to say about him. I mean, it was cool he, you know, underestimated Thrawn from the beginning and and yeah, yeah, those G seventy seven encryptions just got him at the end of the day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> How did you? <laughs> Everyone has yeah. their weak points. <laughs> yeah, and for Grolix, it's Kulzen thirty six. Klausen thirty six. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Good times. Um, cool. Anything else we want to cover on this bad boy? I think I said everything I need to. Yeah, that was really soup to nuts. We really covered that. Um, There was a, but since this is uh, our reading Rathtar segment, um, Adam, did you want to mention um, there's a couple other books that came out uh, this week, right? Yeah, a couple books came out this week. Uh, Grant had mentioned one of them earlier. It's that uh, it's a tie into Galaxy's Edge, uh, A Crash of Fate uh, by Zarita uh, Cordova, um, which I think, Grant, you read a little bit of so far. I haven't had a chance to crack yet, but uh, kind of a young adult uh, romance thing going on i'm sorry i just gotta stop you right there so wait the the author's name is Izarita, and one of the characters name is izzy no her name is zoraida oh zoraida yeah. oh okay i misheard you because of yeah. skype um good good that makes um, me feel better about this yeah i think um i think it's a kind of star-crossed love story romance yeah. adventure uh story and i think the the uh the male character i think becomes like a farmhand on batu and the other character becomes a sort of smuggler and a, a crash of fate comes back to batu years later and they reconnect and it's kind of this fun story yeah yeah cool and then the other one is star wars myths and fable by george mann um which i and illustrated by grant griffin um and it's a it's a short book um that is meant to be kind of a a storybook basically uh and it's it sells itself as tales untold from the edge of the galaxy when you read the introduction the kind of the idea of it's supposed to be retelling of tales that have been told orally throughout the history of the galaxy so you know i read the first one the first one is is basically a story of um the how the uh sand people on tatooine first dealt with the crate dragon um, and it's almost told like a fairy tale. It's this idea of the crate dragon coming back day after day, eating livestock, and then knowing once he ran out of livestock, he could start eating the people. And then once he started eating the people, the sand people decide that they need to go kidnap other people to sacrifice to the crate dragon. Um, so it's this really cool. It reads almost like a like a grim fairy tale. Um, and then there's also Obi Wan Kenobi in there too, which is awesome. 
Um, so I've only read one of the stories, but it's it's really neat the way they're kind of retelling some of these stories that we know about with some of these characters in a very kind of you know medieval uh, fairy tale way. Yeah, I think I read a little bit of the Grievous one, and I found it fascinating the uh, yeah. the, the point of view and and how they yeah. were describing the character. They weren't so much going into his like, exact identity. They were yeah. describing him as the general most of the time. So yeah. Interesting. And the illustrations look beautiful. They're just one at the beginning of each story, and they look kind of like the old old fantasy novel illustrations, basically. Like, it's pretty pretty awesome. Cool. I'm going to try and get the hard copy of that so I can check out those illustrations. It's worth it. It's a nice, it's a nice book, the way it is. It really, it's it's kind of a good-looking book, and it'll present on the on the uh, bookshelf kind of nicely. So I'm, I'm glad I picked up a physical copy of it. Oh, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, that actually just made me sort of think, you know, like, it, so that sort of, there, this book treats the, you know, the Skywalker saga as, as myth, and yeah. you know, which is like was what it is. Yeah. And I just, I wonder. I mean, do you think like the whole mythological element of Star Wars will just be limited to this nine? You know, like is this the age of heroes that we're seeing? These like nine movies, mm-hmm. and everything outside can will you know doesn't necessarily need to follow the Campbellian myth thing, or do you? I mean. No, like the the, the uh, myth. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's oh, always going to be room yeah. for that, but I think I think things are going to open up for storytelling in Star Wars after yeah. Episode Nine. Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious to see what shape that'll take. Yeah, because it could too. go it could go a lot of a lot of directions. Um, but I hope they, you know, I the hope Mandalorian's kind of an interesting example of going in the kind of uh, uh, to a degree. It's Campbellian to a degree, but um, right it does feel like a Western kind of gunslinger, just a good old fashioned action kind of. Uh, adventure story, not so much a mythical journey. Right, like Forlom is not really going to be a mythological hero uh, when it's all said and done. Probably, I I don't know. Right. They're doing most most of the, the the missions they're doing are it's probably for money or you know reputation or you know, things like that. Yeah. But um, but the old Republic, I mean, I'm really hoping that if Benioff and Weiss and and Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. are all working on this old Republic and they're going to launch this massive new saga of films set way back in time i'm hoping it actually has some of the art that it's in the in the myth and fables book i'm hoping they utilize some of that aesthetic because it's so if you see some of the art in the myth and fables book it's just gorgeous and it looks like it's trapped way back in time within the star wars galaxy and uh, i hope i hope we can see some of that art come to life in in the old republic because i think how we saw the old republic in the games was just only one version of that aesthetic i think we can i think there's other versions of that and i think the myth and fables book has a beautiful representation of what we can actually see which which i would say would even dive further into myth and fantasy yeah um okay awesome so that was our uh thrawn special edition thanks very much uh for listening um that was a really good book um it's nice to get you know these novels and really something to to chew on for a while and um i don't know when we'll see thrawn again but um that'll be great uh, next week, we're going to catch up on uh, Kyber Crystal Comics Corner, um, and we'll get all the, the comics that came out um, this past week and um, next. And um, yeah, thanks very much for listening as always, and uh, may the Force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always.